Good morning again. My name is Gary Weber. I'm the pastor here at Southside, and I'm delighted to be with you today. If you're a guest with us, we want to say again how happy we are to have you with us at Southside, and uh, hope that if you didn't join us this morning at 9.30 for our small groups, that maybe you'll come back next week and find a small group at 9.30, be a part of a conversation uh, involving the Bible and the community of faith and grow in your, in your knowledge of God's Word. We would love to have you back next Sunday for that as well. Uh, we've been in a series for the last several weeks called Built to Last, and this is week five of the six-week series. And if you haven't been with us, that's okay. Uh, I'm going to give you just a, a, a short synopsis of it, and you can also go to our website and uh, track down our media link there and follow up on it as well. But basically what we said, if we want to have a faith that is built to last. Not a faith that's just good for a Sunday morning for an hour or for a season of our life when we're feeling close to the Lord, but a faith that is built to endure for a lifetime and actually beyond a lifetime into the future generations of our kids and our grandkids and really even into eternity. There are some critical things that we have to consider. First of all, the foundation of the faith has to be in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Savior of the world. Paul says that's where our foundation is. It's unshakable. Jesus said there were two people who built a house. One built their house on the sand and the other built their house on the rock. And when the storms came and the winds blew, only one of those houses was left standing. So the foundation is Jesus. But we said beyond that, beyond the foundation, we have to be determined. We have to be intentional about our faith. We have to be persistent. It's not something that just happens by accident. It happens because we're intentional in building a faith that lasts. And and we said we also have to recognize that there has to be alignment in our building. That we can't, on one hand, have things over here that we believe and then a different way of practicing our beliefs. The two have to be in alignment if the building is going to stand and if it's going to endure. And then last week we talked about the cost of having a faith that's built to last. Jesus said, who among you would build a tower and wouldn't first consider the cost? And Jesus said the, the cost of a faith that lasts and a church that prevails is, a, is cross-bearing, picking up your cross and following after Jesus Christ. So today I want to introduce another element of what I believe is essential to building a faith that lasts, and that is the element of unity, the element of community, the element of being together with other believers that is so critical if we're going to have a faith that endures. Paul, in a letter to the first into the Corinthians, first Corinthians chapter three, here's what he said in verse 16. Do you not know that you are God's temple? Now, every time you see you in this passage, you can translate it y'all because it's second person plural. So he's talking about not just one individual. He's talking about a group of people. We miss that so many times when we read the new Testament, we hear you and we think, oh, he's talking to me. Most of the time, the yous in the New Testament are plural. So do do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? In who? In the church, in us, in believers who are come together. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. Don't rush past that. What, What is Paul saying? Paul is saying that God takes the unity of his church very seriously. And if anyone would seek to destroy the unity of God's people, if anyone would seek to separate people from each other, in so so doing, destroying the temple of God, that God will destroy that person. For God's temple is holy and you are that temple. So we understand that unity in the body of Christ is critical for building a faith that lasts. If you read the New Testament, you can't escape this. Our horizontal relationships 
have an impact on our vertical relationship. Our relationship with the people who are in our house, with the people that we're neighbors with, with our co-workers, with our friends, and yes, even with our enemies, has a direct effect on how we relate to God. That's why God takes this so seriously. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, he said, listen, if you're coming to church and you come to present your offering at the altar and you get there and there you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift, excuse yourself, go make things right with your brother And then come back and offer your gift. That's pretty serious. That would mean for any of us who come today, and we've already taken up the offering, but for any of us who came today, if we took the words of Jesus seriously, that would mean if there's any bitterness that you're harboring inside your heart today, if you came in and you even knew that somebody else was harboring any resentment towards you, you would have said, you know what? I'll be right back. Let me excuse myself and let me go take care of that. And then I'll come back and present my offering. Jesus also teaching his disciples how to pray in Matthew chapter 6. He said, when you pray, pray like this. Pray that that your sins would be forgiven to the same extent that you forgive other people's sins. You know that line in the Lord's Prayer? Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. In other words, only forgive me to the extent that I'm willing to forgive other people. That's pretty serious. That our forgiveness, our vertical forgiveness may depend on our horizontal forgiveness, that these relationships we have with the people around us are critical to our relationship with God. Even some of them within our own home, especially in our own home. Uh, the Apostle Peter, when he was writing uh, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, says that if you don't live considerately with your spouse, your prayers are ineffective. Now think about that for just a minute. That means if you and your spouse are crossways, that your prayers aren't as effective. Some people have said, you know, I don't understand. My prayers just feel like they bounce off the ceiling. They don't get any farther. One of the things you have to consider then is what are the relationships around me like? What's my relationship with my wife like? What's my relationship with my husband like? Because that has an impact. It has has the ability to, to change the way we relate to God. And the New Testament takes it very seriously. You know, this passage of scripture that that Peter wrote, 1 Peter 3, 7, may have been what was wrong with the man from Cambodia. Uh, the, the 2008 story on CNN, a man from Cambodia has been married for 40 years to the same woman, and uh, he had grown sick. He had been t- sick for a while, and after he was better, he decided he no longer wanted to live with his wife because she didn't take care of him up to his satisfaction while he was ill. So he got out a chainsaw, and he split the house in half, That's a picture of it. It's a true story. Split the house in half and has hit his half of the house moved to his father's property because he didn't want to live with that woman anymore. Jesus said in Mark chapter 3 that a house house is divided against itself. That house cannot stand. Abraham Lincoln, when he was preparing to become president, he wrote a speech and delivered a famous speech in which he quoted that verse of Scripture warning people about the impending civil war. A house divided cannot stand. If we want to build a faith that lasts, if we want to be a part of a prevailing church, we have to take seriously God's call to unity, to community. You know, even that word itself, community, means with unity. That our ability to relate to one another has a direct impact on our relationship with God That Christ, Jesus Christ, came into this world. We recognize, if you're here today and you're a Christian, we recognize and we believe that Jesus' death on the cross was to reconcile us with God. That our relationship with God was broken because of sin. 
And Jesus came and his death on the cross destroyed that hostility between us and between God and made us have a relationship with God. But that's not the only thing the cross of Jesus did for us. The cross of Jesus also destroys the walls of hostility that are built between people, between races of people, between groups of people, between different cultures, different nations, and yes, even between husbands and wives and ex-husbands and wives and children and fathers and mothers and friends and co-workers and neighbors. See, it applies to individual relationships and it also applies to entire classes of people. So how does it work? How does the death of Jesus, the death of a Jewish carpenter 2,000 years ago on a cross, how does that promise me the ability to be reconciled with people in my life? How does the death of Jesus promise to reconcile races and nations that have been at war with each other? I invite you to open your Bible to Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to look and see what Paul said about this very idea. Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 14. Paul is writing another letter to a young church, a church in Ephesus. And here's what he said to the church at Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 14. For he himself is our peace. For he himself is our peace. That is an important truth to think about for just a minute. That peace is not found in compromise or in negotiations or in war. Peace is a person, and his name is Jesus Christ. And until you know Christ, you will not know peace. Jesus is our peace. He himself is our peace, who made the two groups one. Now, what two groups is Paul talking about? Paul's talking about two very specific groups in this passage. You see, in the early church, there, were, there, was, there was two groups primarily making up the church. You had the Jewish Christians. In other words, all the apostles and all the people close to Jesus, the disciples, were primarily, were primarily Jewish. And they had come to believe that Jesus was the Messiah. But something very interesting happened. Something the apostles didn't expect to happen began to happen. Shortly after the resurrection, the word began to spread. And people who were not Jewish, people who had not been raised uh, in the synagogue, who had been raised with the law of Moses, came to believe that Jesus was their savior too. And so all these Gentiles became Christians. So now you had churches where you had half of the group or a portion of the group would be Jewish Christians and a portion of the group would be Gentile Christians. And there were all kinds of cultural divides and language divides and practices. And, and the, the, the Gentile Christians didn't know the law of Moses. So they, they did all kinds of things that the Jews found offensive. And, and the Jews really tried to resist some of, the, some of the Gentile Christians. And meanwhile, the Gentile Christians would look at the Jewish Christians Christians and say, you guys are really uptight, relax a little bit. And so there was this constant tension and war. And so what Paul is saying is that Jesus himself made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. See, it wasn't just that there were cultural differences between the groups. There was hostility. And Paul says it was Jesus who destroyed the dividing wall of hostility. In this series earlier, we talked about a wall that was built by the nation of Israel uh, during, during Nehemiah's time, the book of Nehemiah. And they would build these walls around their nation 
around their city-states really to protect their people. It was a, a way to protect. It was also a way to preserve their ethnic identity, to keep them from mixing with other races and other groups of people. And so this wall that was there kept the Jews separated out from all the Gentile nations. And, and Paul is saying, listen, those walls of hostility that existed have been destroyed in the death, with the death of Jesus. Look what he said in verse 15. By setting aside in his flesh... Something happened in the crucifixion of Jesus that changed things. By setting aside in his flesh the law with its commandments and its regulations. You see, the wall that was dividing people was the law of Moses. It was the thing that distinguished the Jews from the Gentiles. But the law of Moses, if any of you have gone back and read the Old Testament, it it may be part of what you struggle with your faith and your religion because you read the Old Testament laws and then you read the words of Jesus and you think those two things don't really seem to go very well together and it's because the law of Moses points out all the things that are wrong with humanity but it doesn't offer a lot of solutions for how to fix it how to resolve it and so what you have is basically all the ancient laws are are based on something called the code of Hammurabi which basically means an eye for an eye do to other people what they do to you if somebody steals your, your cow, then they need to give up a cow. If somebody pokes out your eye, then you poke out their eye. If somebody's murdered, then they should be murdered. It's tit for tat. And listen, nothing's changed in our culture, in our society, has it? I mean, if you're going to be a nation of laws, you have to be based on something. And so many times the laws are based on retribution and punishment. Somebody does this, this is the crime, This is the punishment. Even in our world today, when you look at all that's happening in the Middle East and all that's happening with the division between radical Islam and the rest of the world, it seems, when you go and you ask and you say, okay, why would people, why would evil people do such horrible things to innocent people in the city of Paris? And if you were to talk to them, I'm sure they would say, because this is what was done to us in our homeland when foreigners came in and this is what they did to us. And so you go back and you say, well, why did... Did foreign nations come in and occupy these countries? And they say, well, they'd point back to something like 9-11 and say, well, they flew planes into our building. And so you say, well, why did you fly planes into their building? And and it's unending. I mean, you can keep going back through history and you can find it's, it's all a system of retribution and revenge. That's the law. That's what, that's what the law is based on because there's nothing else the law can be based on. It's our, see, our, our desire for justice often looks like a desire for some sort of retribution. And Paul is saying that Jesus set aside that law in his flesh. And his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of two, thus making peace. A new humanity. I don't know who could watch the news lately and not say, we need a new humanity. We need something to change. And Paul says, listen, the new humanity is brought about through the death of Jesus Christ. That's what brings it. That you're invited to be part of something different. That the church is invited to be built into something that's different. Something that looks different than the systems, the old broken systems of the world. Verse 16, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. There's no more violent death known to man than that of crucifixion. It's a 
horrible death. And Paul is saying all the hostility that one group may have towards another group, that one person may have towards another person, all of that was poured out on Jesus Christ on the cross. He came and he preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. Who's he talking about? He's talking about Jews and Gentiles. That, that somehow in our system, in our religious system, we perceive that we're closer to God by our religion, by our heritage, by our culture. And what Paul is saying is all that's irrelevant. Whether you thought you were near to God or whether you believed you were far away from God, it doesn't matter because everybody's been brought to near, brought near to God through the peace that Jesus offers for through him we both have access to the father by one spirit consequently you are no longer foreigners and strangers but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household did you catch what he's saying that you've been invited into this new humanity you weren't a part of the family but because of what Jesus has done you can be adopted You who had no family can have a family. You who had no nation can have a nation. You can be a part of something different. I remember uh, several years ago, we had a combined worship service with our uh, Corinne friends. Many of you know our Corinne church that meets here in the afternoons. Um, Pastor Thulemu is on staff with us, and Thulemu was preaching the sermon and I'll never forget the example he used in the sermon that he preached it was a beautiful example he he was telling about how he came to the United States um, on a plane and it was the first time he'd ever been on a plane he had lived his entire life as as a refugee the Korean people if you don't know aren't citizens anywhere they've been basically driven out of their home country of Burma into all kinds of uh, concentration camps around the world but the the camps they move into, those nations don't accept them as citizens either. So they're basically what the UN calls non-persons. Uh, and so Thule Mu was one of a group of people who were coming to the United States. He's on the plane coming to the U.S. with all the hopes that that means a, a nation that he can finally call his own. And there was a person on the plane who asked him, said, hey, where are you from? And Thule Mu said in that moment he realized, I'm not from anywhere. But I'm going somewhere. That's what Jesus has offered you. You see, this broken system that we live in, this world that we live in that is shattered by war and rumors of war and retribution and revenge, that's not your home. Christian, that's not where you belong. I mean, you you may be a citizen of a particular country on the earth, but that is not your home. That is not your family. Jesus says, I've invited you in to be a part of of this family, to be a part of the kingdom where there's a new humanity, where things look different. And he goes on from there and he uses another illustration. He says, also members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. We're going to finish up next week with that idea of the cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple of the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. 1 Corinthians 3, 16 and 17, you are the temple of God. You're being built into the temple. But what does that require? That requires that all the walls of hostility that exist between us have to be destroyed. I spent about three years working on Ephesians chapter chapter 2 for a project that I've been working on 
uh, that deals with cross-cultural ministry, primarily the story of of our American church and the Korean church. And, and I've always looked at that passage, those two groups, and Paul talked about Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians. And you can take those blanks and put any group you want in there. You know, Southerners and Northerners, uh, blacks and whites, uh, rich and poor. You can fill in any group. And so as I've looked at it, I've looked at it basically through the lens of different ethnic groups and how we come together and work together to be the people of God. And as I'm reading it, Over the last few weeks, getting ready to share this passage with you today, it occurred to me that this is about so much more than just two groups. See, for he himself is our peace. He who made the two groups one. Who are your two groups? What are the two groups in your heart and mind that are divided? Maybe for you, it's young and old. Maybe if you're a little older, you live with a certain level of resentment of a younger generation. You don't have much positive to say about their culture or their worldview. Maybe for you, if you're younger, you look at the older generation and and, and you you don't look at them with gratitude or thanksgiving, but there's a level of resentment and distrust. Maybe for some of you, it's rich and poor. You would say, I was raised in a house where we didn't have means and I didn't have opportunities because my mom and dad didn't give me those opportunities. And you've always lived with a level of distrust of the people who have more than you. Or maybe your story is that you were blessed and you have some means at your disposal, but there's always been a level of distrust for the people who seem to can't make ends meet and they live dependent on the government for their assistance. And so there's been some level of distrust. Maybe for you, it's a division between the educated and the uneducated. Maybe it's a liberal conservative, Republican, Democrat, righteous or unrighteous. And when you come together in the body of Christ, what you find is there is so much that can divide us. You sit here with people to your left and to your right who, who are educated and uneducated, who are rich and who are poor. You have people sitting around you today who have never had a drop of alcohol in their life. And you have people sitting with you today who are battling addiction even as we speak. And the death of Jesus on the cross says, I came to destroy all the hostility that divides people. That my death is enough to destroy what separates people and brings people together that they can live in a new humanity. And the church should be a place where the reality of heaven enters into the reality of earth. That when we look at heaven and you hear about a a place where people from every nation and every tribe and every language are gathered together around the throne... And we look at earth and we realize how people are divided and they're becoming more and more polarized. See, you can go around the earth today and you can find lots of examples where people are accustomed to being divided by race and by age, by religion, by class, by economics, by culture. There's nothing unusual about that. There's nothing about that that says this is a new humanity. But church, we're called to be a part of a new humanity. We're called to be a part of something different, where the walls of hostility have been destroyed. It's part of the reason why several years ago our 2020 vision committee said that our vision for the year 2020 is to build a congregation that unifies people, that draws the community together, that gives the city of Jacksonville an example of what heaven will look like as people from all different backgrounds and stories and struggles come together and the focus isn't on what divides us, but it on, it's on what unites us. Our belief in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and the glory of God made known in this community and around the world. But whatever your two groups are, they can only be unified if Jesus Christ 
is our peace. If we allow the cross of Christ to tear down the walls of hostility that divide us from one another. And what that means is the cross of Jesus Christ is going to be what divides us. It means I have to take seriously what Jesus said, that I have to take up my cross and follow him. Which means that there is part of me that's going to have to die on the cross. My pride, my self-righteousness, my desire for retribution, my desire for what is fair and just, I might have to let all of that die on the cross with Jesus. See, here's the, here's, here's the problem. If there is a relationship that you have, maybe it's a person, maybe it's something inside your heart and you say, you know what, there's a, there's a deep level of prejudice. I don't talk about it, but I just don't like people who fill in the blank, whatever that might be. If the cross of Jesus isn't enough to separate what divides us from each other, then the cross of Jesus cannot be enough to separate us, to, to reunite us with what separated us from God. It's got to be enough. If it's not enough for what separates you from your ex-wife, from your son, from your daughter, from your neighbor who didn't like your Christmas lights last year, if it's not enough to tear down the dividing wall between you and your neighbor, then it's not enough to tear down what divides you from God. So we're invited to be a part of a new humanity. That the church is built with unity, with people coming together at the foot of the cross where the ground is level. So this morning, I'm going to ask you to do something. We're going to have a time of commitment, a time of reflection. And on your bulletin this morning, there should be a couple post-its that are on the back of those. Maybe you've been wondering what those were for. I'm going to invite you to take just a minute and, and write down a name, initials, draw a picture of any relationship in your life where you'd say there's a wall of hostility. Maybe it's something somebody did to you years ago, and there's a wall of hostility that's been built. The invitation this morning is this. Will you let the cross of Jesus destroy the wall of hostility? And you you think, but that person doesn't deserve my forgiveness. It's not about what they deserve. It's about what Jesus has made possible. That the hostility we feel towards another person, towards another group, ends at the cross. So we're going to invite you just to take that post-it and in a symbolic way to come and nail that to the cross. Just place it right here on the cross during the time of invitation and our time of reflection. But here's what you should know. Before you do it, because it's easy, you know, there might be several people walking down and it's easy just to go down with them. But before you do, let me just warn you. If you bring that post-it and you put it here on the cross, that means you have surrendered your right to hold a grudge. You no longer have a right. You no longer can be entitled to anything from that person or that group of people that you put on the cross. So before you do it, make sure that that wall of hostility has been destroyed in your heart. Maybe for some of you, you don't even need to come to the cross. You need to cross an aisle. Find somebody here and you say, there's been a wall of hostility built between us. And I just want you to know, I believe it was destroyed in the cross of Christ. I'm going to invite you to stand as we pray together. And then as we sing this song, uh, you can come to the cross. You can come kneel at these steps. You can cross the aisle and pray with somebody else. But my invitation for you is to make sure that before you leave today, all the walls of hostility have been destroyed through the cross of Christ. 
Jesus, we thank you for the privilege we have to come today, for the truth that the cross of Jesus did more than reconcile us with you, but it has the power to reconcile us with each other. Father, it has the power to reconcile nations with each other. And Lord, our system is broken. We recognize and see all around us the evidence of a, of a broken system, something that the law can never make right. But Lord, I believe through the cross of Jesus, you can bring peace. You can bring it into our homes. You can bring it into your church. You can bring it, bring it into our neighborhood. You can bring it into our country. And you can even bring it into our world. So I pray this morning, Lord, that we would recognize and understand that it doesn't begin with somebody else somewhere else. It begins right here with me. It begins in my own heart as I allow the cross of Jesus to tear down all the walls of hostility that I've built within me. So Lord, we pray that your spirit would move inside of your people today, that we might truly be one, that we might reflect to this world the new humanity, and that together we might bring glory to your son Jesus who offers us peace through his cross. We pray this in his name. Amen.